Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, April 22nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, more federal unemployment assistance reaches Mississippi. And with hotels and restaurants nearly empty, we look at the impact the pandemic is having on Mississippi's hospitality sector. Then, lighter traffic and tighter wallets cause a drop in the state's lottery transfer. Plus, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, what lessons, if any, have been learned 10 years after Deepwater Horizon? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Governor Tate Reeves is letting Mississippians know more unemployment assistance is now available to the state. Speaking at his daily press briefing yesterday, Reeves said the newly available funds made possible through the CARES Act help extend unemployment benefits to those workers not previously covered. Um, these are these are subsets and these are groups that would not necessarily have been eligible for state unemployment, but because of the CARES Act, because of this pandemic, this is like disaster unemployment assistance. So, if you are self-employed, if you are an independent contractor, if you are employed by a church, a religious entity, or a nonprofit organization, if you are employed in the gig economy, if you have insufficient earnings to establish a regular unemployment claim, and if you are not eligible for regular unemployment compensation or extended benefits, you may be eligible for what's called pandemic unemployment assistance. And if you are eligible for pandemic unemployment assistance, you may also become eligible for uh, the additional $600 um, as well. The pandemic unemployment assistance will be managed by the state's Department of Employment Security. MDES Director Jackie Turner says her department is seeing an unprecedented spike in the amount of weekly unemployment payments. On a typical unemployment week prior to the pandemic, we may, in this good economy, we may have paid out about a million dollars a week. Last week, we paid out $72 million dollars. Now, the two days of this week, we have already paid out $72 million, 880000 and um, we have surpassed what we paid out all in the last two weeks, and that is strictly related to the extra $600 and in the, in the people filing and are eligible for the regular unemployment insurance program. So I'm pleased, as you are, that we've made great strides, but it's not enough until we reach every single Mississippian that needs our help. So we are also pleased today to announce the, the application process for the pandemic unemployment assist, assistance portion 
of the CARES Act is now available through the mds.ms.gov website to file for the benefits that are due to those that, as Governor Reeves described, as the gig economy workers. It might You may also find yourself eligible if you were uneligible for the regular unemployment insurance program because of insufficient wages or other barriers, but because of a COVID-related reason, and there are 10 of them, and it's listed on our website, and they are listed in the application process, if you qualify for one of those 10 reasons and found yourself not eligible in the regular unemployment insurance program, you may be eligible for pandemic unemployment assistance. Governor Reeves has regularly pointed to unemployment numbers as one of the multiple data points informing his plans to reopen the state's economy. In his recent extension to the shelter-in-place order, Reeves allowed non-essential businesses to begin online or curbside sales. But he's also advising Mississippians the road back to normal won't be instantaneous. Understand that this is not going to be a light switch that we can turn on and off. Uh, There will not be one day when we return to normal as we knew it two months ago. So do not expect to wake up on Friday or next Monday or even the Monday after that and it be as if a light switch went off and that none of this ever happened. That is not reality. That is not what we are dealing with. Um, Our reopening strategy will be um, continuous, but it will be slow, opening up perhaps different sectors, perhaps maybe different regions of the state at different times uh, as the data and the public health experts advise us. There will continue to be rules. There will continue to be rules that we will continue to need to follow. Uh, We will ease into it. We're not going to rush into it. But understand, we understand that we have to start heading in that direction. Um, We have to do something because for some, During this time, the wait has been somewhat comfortable, but for others, this is deeply, deeply painful. One of the hardest hit parts of the Mississippi economy has been the hospitality sector. Hotels and restaurants across the state remain practically empty. Pat Fontaine is the executive director of the Mississippi Hospitality and Restaurant Association. He shares the impact of the pandemic with our Desiree Frazier. Our industry has uh, suffered greatly uh, through this crisis um, with restrictions in place. Uh, sales have plummeted, um, and even with the ability uh, to have curbside uh, pickup uh, and delivery and drive-through, uh, sales are, are just drastically off uh, from where they were prior to the crisis. Looking ahead, how do you how would you like to see the state move forward? Well, uh, you know, at, at some point, uh, restrictions will be lifted. You know, from an operational standpoint, uh, there's been discussion. Um, you know, what requirements will will be mandated by our Department of Health or by the the CDC? Uh, that could uh, be the wearing of face masks by all employees. Uh, there's also been discussion of scanning of temperatures of, of patrons before entering an establishment. So there, there's a lot that remains to be seen as, as to uh, the parameters in which our members can can operate. Uh, secondly, 
the greatest unknown is uh, how is the consuming public going to react? Uh, are they going to, to want to come and dine out? Um, that remains to be seen. And um, was in discussion with a member whose business is primarily centered around entertainment. And so uh, very concerned about uh, will people come out uh, for live music? Um, we don't know. And so uh, that a lot remains to, to be answered. How has this impacted hotels? Are they even Oh, open? goodness gracious. Uh, right. Uh, I've been in discussion with uh, a couple of operators uh, that have, have remained open. One had single-digit occupancy rates. Uh, the other was reporting 15% occupancy rates. Uh, they're hopeful to um, – the the travel and tourism industry has been – they have been hit very, very hard by this, and, and the recovery for them is going to be much longer. Um, you know, will people be traveling this summer? Um, that remains to be seen. And so um, they have been greatly impacted, and, you know, they're they're trying to seek government contracts, um, you know, what business they can, can find. What would you like to see happen? I mean, what are your thoughts? You know, in our discussion with with our state uh, legislative leaders, uh, you know, initially the, probably the the most helpful thing would be any relief on uh, taxes, um, cash uh, for everyone right now is is a scarce commodity. So any way that they can can hold on to cash uh, through this crisis uh, is helpful. Um, payroll tax credits for those that have uh, kept employees uh, on their payroll. I think that would be very helpful. Uh, Suspension of any permit renewals, uh, I think that would be helpful uh, during this time. Pat Fontaine is the executive director of the Mississippi Hospitality and Restaurant Association. The Mississippi Department of Health is continuing its aggressive testing strategy this week through additional one-day collection sites. Two sites will be available today, one in Perry County at the Perry County Multipurpose Center in Richton, the other in Claiborne County at the County Parks and Rec Center in Port Gibson. Anyone experiencing symptoms related to COVID-19 and feels they should be tested must first go through a free screening from a UMMC clinician through the C Spire Health UMMC triage app. Coming up, lighter traffic and tighter wallets cause a drop in the state's lottery transfer. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Mississippi Lottery has been a monetary success since its debut late last year, raking in a gross of nearly $8 million a week in instant scratch-offs. The program's proceeds were able to contribute needed infrastructure funds during the first quarter. But restrictions put in place as a response to the pandemic has caused a dip in lottery transfers to the state. Tom Shaheen is president of the Mississippi 
Mississippi Lottery Corporation. We've dropped, overall, we're down about 25% right now. Um, some couple of the weeks was a little bit less, um, but on average, we're down about 25%. We've been in the shelter-in-place or under the shelter-in-place order for two weeks now. Was there a big drop when that happened because people are not leaving their homes as much? Yeah, I think so. I mean, before before the drop, we were having some pretty strong weeks. We had a couple... We had a week of 13 million, and we had a week of 11, and then it uh, dropped to about nine in mid-March, and then right about the 22nd, the beginning uh, the week of the 22nd, it uh, dropped down to 7.9 million, and uh, then the next week is 8 million, and it's starting to go up a little bit uh, again, but not much. You have suspended advertising. How does that affect the budget? Does that involve or affect the net income? Well, it could. It, you know, we really don't know the effects of any of it right now, depending on how long this, this goes on. Um, if during the virus, if sales start to level off or they can, you know, do they cycle up and down? We're just not sure which way it's going to go, but it could affect. Um, it could affect the budget. Now, we've had a pretty healthy return already for $37.5 million. Um, but um, what I was just stating is that we don't know if, you know, we could do another $9 million next month, depending on what's going on, um, or $8 million. Um, so that's kind of uh, where we are with that. But the advertising, we, we stopped that because of, you know, we look. You know, we're in the business to raise money uh, and raise money for you know education and roads and bridges. But also, you know, we don't want to be running advertising on radio and TV, telling about these great new games you should go out and buy, and, and sending them out on the street. You know, people are going to be out in the stores anyway. We know that already. Okay, so we just don't want to be in the position of pushing more people out into the stores, okay? If they're in the stores and they buy lottery tickets, that's great. But if we start advertising, like, for instance, we put uh, four new games last Tuesday, we didn't do any advertising. And it didn't do as well um, uh, on that Tuesday than it has on all the previous other Tuesdays. So between the virus and not us, uh, us not advertising those games, um, we saw um, not a huge drop, but... Uh, significant enough drop uh, in sales, and it's comparable probably to both of those things. When it gets back to normal or some semblance of normal, will you be able to take the advertising dollars that you're not spending now and really ramp up the advertising? Uh, you know, we're still you know strategizing about how we would do all of that at this point. But yes, you know, we still have the, the funds budgeted. Um, we do have some advertising that we did have planned for the next uh, couple of months, which um, we certainly won't be running uh, any of that. But, yeah, the money will still be there. But, again, you know, we'll look at it very strategically and, and make sure that we do handle the money responsibly. And Because uh, you have to promote the games. I mean, people want to know, you know, what are the new games, when are they coming, you know, and so... Uh, we will continue to do that, but we just feel like right now is not the time to be doing it. We've been speaking with Tom Shaheen. He is the president of the Mississippi Lottery Corporation. Thank you so much, Tom. 
All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. To stay up to date on the latest coronavirus news, visit our website, mpbonline.org. Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, what lessons, if any, have been learned 10 years after Deepwater Horizon? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Some of my friends have just become obsessed with wiping things down in their homes. Even though they're like me, they're not going out except maybe to the store once a week or something like that. And we're wearing masks, we're wearing gloves, we throw the gloves away after we use them. Or how much should people like us, or just anyone, that's not having anyone come in and out of their home be wiping everything down? I just think it's overdone. I would agree with you. You said all the key points. I mean, this is a virus that doesn't float around in the air travel, you know, large distances, you have to have contact with somebody who has that virus. So if you don't have anybody coming in and out and it's just you, and when you go out, you take all those precautions, you're wearing a mask that has changed within the last week or so, been recommended now, if you're going to go out, uh, say to the grocery store or to uh, the um, uh, pharmacy, uh, go to the bank if you need to, those kinds of places definitely would do that. Wearing gloves is an extra protection, making sure you take those off. If you said you're throwing those away, I'd wash my hands, maybe have some alcohol gel uh, with me while I did that. And then when you come back home, uh, you should be fine. Like, you don't have to wipe down those surfaces, you know, 24-7 every hour. If nobody's coming in and out, that virus is not going to get into your home like that. And if you're not bringing it in from the outside, that's the only other way that it could come in. Uh, and again, it's something you can do, right? I mean, I get it. It's If you're sitting at home and there's not much to do anyway, uh, that's something else you at least feel like you're doing something. It's certainly not going to cause any harm, but it's certainly not anything you need to obsess about to the extent where you're doing that over and over again. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Ten years after the nation's biggest offshore oil spill fouled its waters, the Gulf of Mexico sparkles in the sunlight and its fish are safe to eat. But scientists who have spent millions in BP settlement funds researching effects of the Deepwater Horizon disaster have found much to be concerned about. Numbers of dolphins and whales are down since the spill, and the loss of tidal marshes were accelerated. On this Earth Day, the question is now what, if any, lessons have been learned from a decade of recovery and research. Dr. Sarah Giltz, a marine scientist with the nonprofit group Oceana, shares with our Michael Guidry. Ten years now, uh, looking back at the Deepwater Horizon disaster, we've learned that this could happen again. Um, 
there were horrible impacts to the environment and the economy at the time of the Deepwater Horizon disaster, and some of the few safety regulations that were put in place since then have been gutted. So 10 years later, we're not in any better position. The immediate impacts of the explosion and the spill were seen. Um, there was you know, a lot of news coverage uh, those initial days and weeks, but it's been 10 years, and I can imagine as that's moved out of the the top of consciousness for, for a lot of people, uh, some of the long-term damages might not uh, resonate. So aside from that immediate effect, the, you know, the images of animals covered in oil, what have been some of the the ecological effects to the Gulf of Mexico 10 years later? We know it's going to be a very long road to recovery. There are marine mammal populations that will take decades to recover. There are deep-sea corals that could take 100 years or more to recover. Um, there are also wetlands that were oiled, and when the plants died, the land washed away, and those will never recover. So even though we don't see this in the news every day, there are definitely um, ecosystem impacts that will continue long after. What are some of the other unseen and maybe rarely spoken of effects of this continued deep water drilling? When you have offshore drilling, unfortunately, it's not just these big disasters that we have to worry about. There are hundreds of accidental oil spills every year in U.S. waters, and there are still far too many injuries for offshore workers that continue to this day. Um, Also, just the infrastructure footprint is huge. In the Gulf of Mexico, as of 2016, there were over 2,000 offshore platforms and over 26,000 miles of pipeline, which is enough to circle the earth. And every time you have pipeline or you have a refinery, there are more opportunities, um, more for for a spill or for another accident. What steps would your your organization like to see uh, moving forward that would uh, provide the the opportunity? Uh, for restoration in the Gulf of Mexico for uh, those marine ecosystems? Oceana did a, uh, just released a report about the impacts of the Deepwater Horizon and what we've learned in the last 10 years. And what Oceana recommends is that uh, the president halt all efforts to expand offshore drilling to new areas and also reverses course as uh, stops taking back the, the safety um, improvements that have been made. Um, so we'd like to see improved safety and also um, not expanding into new areas. Oceana has also uh, called on, on Congress to protect our, our coast and, and incentivize investments into clean and renewable energy. You'd like to think that something like the Deepwater Horizon um, explosion is a, is a you know, once-in-a-lifetime event. Uh, but based on the damage to the the Gulf marine ecosystems that it caused, can those ecosystems survive another massive hit like that? Or what will the ramifications be if we see a repeat of something like that in the next 10 to 20 years? Yeah, it's it's so hard, hard to say. Um, and because we do know that the effects of the Deepwater Horizon were so widespread already and that uh, some of the marine mammal populations, for instance, we know will take decades to recover already. Um, a lot of these animals aren't even back where we would hope they would be by now. And 
we really don't want to risk another disaster like that one. We know that offshore drilling remains dirty and dangerous 10 years after the Deepwater Horizon, and there were catastrophic impacts at the time to the environment and, and to the economy. Um, and the only way um, to prevent another spill like that is is to prevent uh, the expansion of drilling and, and to make sure that we're prioritizing safety. Dr. Sarah Giltz is a marine scientist with Oceana. Thank you very much, Dr. Giltz. Thank you so much. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.